0: The dawn of civilization, primitive, (laughs) dangerous, (laughs) exciting. The handwriting is on the wall.
1: If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The
0: most civilized
1: caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave.
2: Hey everyone, thank you for joining us. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I am joined by my co-host, Brendan. Today we have uh, two guests for you. Uh, They're both from the band... Caged from Philadelphia. We have John and Joe. But Joe is also in the band Quiet Man, uh, who released their debut album The Starving Lesson this year. You may have heard of it. Thanks for so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you on. Do you want to tell everyone just a little bit about sort of who you are and what the band's about?
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. We're uh very stoked to be on this podcast. Um so I'm John, I'm the vocalist for Caged. Uh Joe does noise. Slash no input mixer. Um, so overall, we're a doom meets sludge meets death metal band from Philadelphia. Uh, we started late, we formed the band late 2018, and 2020 is when we um, kind of got together and recorded our debut EP, Stricken by Continuance. We put that on um, Transylvania Recordings. Um, but as we recorded the The EP, uh, our basis, he was, he kept mentioning it'd be cool for us to have like another element to the band, like some noise. He bigged up Joe, who I had known from his projects, uh, um, Godroot at the time, and also Static Brothers, a hip hop group. And I think eventually we just wound up having Joe come to a few practices and we had recorded the EP, but then we, the pandemic hit, lockdowns hit. And we sent Joe the EP and asked what he could do with it. And he was the fifth member of the band. Um, and yeah, after that, we put out our, we very recently put out our debut album on Translation Lost Records called uh, uh, From Roving About the Earth. And that came out September of uh, 2023. That is a great
2: album, by the way. Brendan and, shared that with me. I hadn't heard it before. And I uh, love the sound that you guys captured there. Really unique. Thanks. Joe, you and I were talking um, before we started recording about some of the stuff that you incorporated in that album. I know you had a lot of samples and mixing and a lot of cool sort of unique aspects that you worked in, taken from uh, like religious sermons and other areas. Um, How did you find inspiration for that stuff?
3: Um, Well, you know, I think the first place I look for inspiration is the uh, lyrics John's writing. You know, when I'm adding samples to a song... um, I want it to be relevant to what the song's about, you know. Um, and John is also really good at finding samples as well. Um, so uh cool. That's number one. But then, you know, from there it kind of could be anything, right? Like in this case, uh, you mentioned religious sermons, right? So you're talking about the song Isaac and Rope, the first song on the album. Yes. Um yes. in that case, um, you know, the inspiration comes from, uh, the sort of, uh, religious bent to John's lyrics and then, uh, my own record collection, you know, um, I've been a DJ a long time and, and, uh, a crate digger for even longer. Um, and I had some old Jimmy Swagger LPs lying around. Jimmy Swagger was a pretty famous, uh, like American televangelist. Um, and like all those guys, he put records out of his sermons and, um, you know, that seemed like a very uh obvious thing to include on a song like this, right? Um mm-hmm. uh his his very like dynamic and like loud like uh preaching style lends itself really well. And then on top of that, um, you know, one thing leads to another, right? Like that sounds cool on the record. John does a little research into the figure and you found the sample that starts the the whole thing, which is his uh his big public apology, right? Like he's kind of a disgraced uh, TV preacher. I think what was the scandal, John? Did it was it was he cheating on his wife and got caught?
0: Yeah, I think he had a bunch of hookers and uh, <laughs> it, it got got public and oh boy. You know, very very televangelist style. He brought it up to his flock at a live sermon, and you can kind of if you listen closely to the sample, you can hear a bunch of people, mainly women, crying in the background as he's <laughs> you know doing his crocodile tears so it uh it seemed very fitting to kind of the theme of that particular song
3: right like like the the sort of like intense like uh like culmination of like the the hypocrisy and the misuse of station and like those types of things that come along with a lot unfortunately with a lot of uh people's practice of religion in the world
1: right so, With some of these um, songs, did the um, song come first, or did the sample come first? I think Didn't in this song.
0: case, yeah, in this case, the song came first. Um, I know for, for Held Still on the Running Water, we were sitting on that sample, I think, for a little bit, and that one, Ryan pulled out. Um, but yeah, sometimes well, we may have a little bank of samples going, but... Uh, Sometimes once we get the song closer to finalized, then we start tweaking with some little things to spice it up. Right, cool.
2: And the uh, album art, the imagery—like, uh, who came up with that concept?
0: Um, I I enlisted Mark McCoy, who's done artwork for bands like Miasmatic Necrosis, uh, Pig Destroyer, Full of Hell. Um, awesome. He has some really good realistic images. And when I reached out to him and and commissioned him for the project, him and I spoke on the phone for a little bit. And my big thing with artwork, I like sending off the music and the lyrics to the artist because I have no artistic abilities whatsoever. So I like for them to be (laughs) able to render up their own interpretation of what they think is fitting based on the music. And I kind of chatted with him about the themes of some of the songs, wanted something a little bit religious, but I also wanted something kind of to, like kind of un, unintentionally go off the kind of theme that we have with the e p where we have a piece of art, no lyrics or no uh no writing, no words, no logo, just image, and that's kinda of what I want somebody who's going to be listening to the music to see just the image and then have that speak for itself, so I think he did a fucking fantastic job with the artwork and the layout and out it
1: looks like a, an eye in a way too, you know, and like from afar.
0: Yeah, it's That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was really great.
2: And obviously this is your second release overall, first album, but uh, mm-hmm. since Stricken by Continuance, your, your sounds changed a little bit. It kind of seems like it's refined. Um, what was the driving force to kind of pivot, I guess, between that album and this album? Make it more grimy? Yeah, yeah, more atmospheric, more grimy, I, I would say is the way Brendan's right. Yeah, we
0: with um I guess with this album, well, we're strictly conti- by continuance. Some of those songs were kind of they started off as leftover songs between me and Ryan's former band, which is called Black Ern. And mm. some of those songs were unused stuff that we didn't really get the opportunity to do with that band. Like that band was more grindcore, meets sludge, and we kind of wanted to get a little bit darker so we kind of hit the ground running with dirty doom death metal type stuff and then with this album we were kind of creating these songs a little bit more from scratch uh doing some things that we hadn't really tapped into uh we wanted to get some like kind of um i don't know like deaf deaf doomy elements i think isaac and rub was probably one of the first songs that we did and and then this is the the first record where Joe was with us for the inception of of the record and at the ground level with writing, so that that influenced okay. uh, some of the writing as well. It allowed us to save some room for him, for him to bounce his ideas off of us and vice versa. And so there's it's a little bit more experimental as opposed to the mm-hmm. EP. Yeah, I
2: like that aspect of it. It was like uh, there was some stuff going on that felt fresh and exciting. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely cool yeah joe um i there was a topic that we wanted to discuss with you which is the inclusion of uh i guess spinning and sampling in this way in extreme metal it's, it's not so much something that you see often as djing uh in extreme metal is much more of a new metal concept to most people so i guess what are your thoughts on that is it something that is done more than people think or is it like a newer thing that people are starting to do or
3: yeah, I mean, I I would I I don't know if I would say it's a new thing, right? Because like Slipknot had a DJ, and Slipknot's mm. pretty extreme, you know. They are new metal, but like they push it, and like the um the DJs of the new metal era definitely definitely influenced me, you know, and loom over this project for sure. Like like uh, DJ Lethal, Joe Hahn, Starscream, all those guys are great. But yeah, I guess you don't see it as much anymore. It seemed like a thing that was like of its era. But mm-hmm. you do see um a lot more noise elements being incorporated into extreme metal lately, I would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm, um, definitely, yeah, you know more more and more metal acts either have a vocalist with a noise rig or a dedicated noise person or um collaborate with somebody um you know like I mean like Boris and Mersbo probably have a big yeah. hand in like making this so popular, right, like all their collaborations are so incredible. Mm-hmm. The body Um, as well. Pardon? Uh, The body as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The body. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I guess for me, um, I come from like kind of a hip hop background. Like John mentioned, my rap group, Static Brothers, Uh, we were always like pushing rap into kind of a noisier direction Um, than maybe folks around us. Like that was always our interest. And so to make a turntable, like a noise instrument, was already something I was doing. Um, and then, to, so if you have a noise guy in the metal band, then, you know, it's a small step to include a turntable as well, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, like, I, I think the. It's, there's two sides to it. One side is that there's a lot of experimentation in the extreme middle side of things um, that's pushed into whole new subgenres and new sounds. And I love it, it's great. But then there's also a revival movement of the purist stuff that's come back again, like the new wave of OSDM and stuff. So it's like there's two mm-hmm. different directions branching off, but each has their own value. So I, I don't know. It's exciting. It's an exciting time, I think, for the extreme metal.
3: Yeah, it definitely is. And it's thrilling to, you know, um, to bring all those things together, things that maybe felt separate in the past can can be shown to be, you know, not that really, not all that different, right? And even with the, like noise to turntable to like metal sort of combo of it all like it's not really new either we mentioned the new metal guys but going back even further like groups like dialect were doing that in the early in the like early and mid 90s Mm -hmm. exactly
2: it's it's one of those things that people sort of like uh look at it as specifically new metal but it's definitely not um, right? I want to ask you as well about your other band. Uh, you released your debut album this year, The Starving Lessons, with Quiet Man. Uh, tell us a little bit about that project.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, Quiet Man, uh, you know, we call ourselves a psychedelic sludge group, I guess, is uh, the pithy descriptor. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been working on those songs a long time. A lot of them... Um, yeah, you know, we we used to be called Godroot. We got a new drummer, changed our name to Quiet Man. And um, a lot of those songs are songs we've been working on, you know, since before the name change. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're thrilled that all came together. Um, in that band, you know, we were really going for a, um, how do we put it? Um, uh, we try to write like sludge that kind of takes you places, right? Has a lot of um, peaks and valleys. Uh, it takes you on sort of a, a musical trip, hopefully.
1: Oh, it definitely does. I, it has a lot of. Uh, I thought a song was actually starting, and it was actually the middle of like one. Like I think the first song, maybe I was like, "Oh wait, no, this is still the same song." Like this didn't. This, this is wow. All right, it was really cool to hear that that kind of like transition, like it just went up and down and then like completely like almost formed into something new and then came back together again. You know, it's really neat.
3: Thank you. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll trick you in that band.
0: (laughs) I thought it was a good balance on that run of shows we did together for that reason that they had like kind of a, a set where it's like they're kind of journey taking you on a journey. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I was about to say, take you through a journey through sound. I think that's a, like in- intro to a rock hymn
3: song. Uh, well, as opposed to... example, this is a journey into sound. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: uh, as as opposed to Cage, where we were kind of like doing like a little bit more, I, I don't know, I guess, like chaotic, like death type stuff. Uh, so I thought it was a good, very good balance.
3: Yeah, to give, to give context, um John's talking about a short tour we just did with uh it was Cage and Quiet Man going up to um Sherbrooke, Quebec and back. And yeah, it was a cool one-two punch of something um maybe more uh yeah, like you said, like atmospheric peaks and valleys and then uh the relentless pummeling that Cage provides.
1: That's cool. I I'm happy I got to see, you know, I um I went uh, originally because um we interviewed Ross ross's band sun rot and he was just like oh, oh you come gotta in. come out and say hi you know so i was like oh i'll definitely come out and say hi and then it turned out to be this awesome show that was you know it was really cool i wish more people came out but it is one of those things that's like they just don't know what
3: they missed what show was that you were at uh
1: the that's cherry it. Street station one.
3: Oh yeah little matinee uh,
0: game in action
1: Wall- in wallingford yeah it was like a small little spot it's a cool little venue it's it's really neat but like yeah i think it was like I, a yeah. sunday I think night I think or something like that too though so it was like i don't
3: know I the hype like... on the, um the hype on the pizza is real <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah oh it
1: definitely is
3: really enjoyed De- that pizza
2: Brendan, is that that style that you're always preaching about? Oh, or... yeah,
1: New Haven style, yeah, yeah. I have gambiole. to try it. They're pretty. They were they were close to to like the the epicenter.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ground
0: yeah, Ross oh. did big up you guys podcast when we were at that gig. Um, then I went back listened to a couple episodes. listened to the episode with Sunrod on it. So shout out to oh, Sunrod.
2: They, they were you... funny. They're they're, they're fun. A lot of fun,
0: yeah. yeah. One of fucking hardest working bands in ed metal, so yeah, to them, yeah, They're killing. They it. do an
1: amazing, an amazing job. I, they, uh, they had me hook, line, and sinker with just like sound and everything alone. You know, I was like, wow, this is just a massive group. Like these guys, like it's just, it's amazing,
0: it's amazing. So Another band that like definitely has their form on pulse with noise. You know, as long as I've been seeing them, Lex has always been incorporating some form of noise. Um, yeah, part of their rig. Yeah. Yeah,
2: there's just so many bands killing in their space. Like Body Void's blowing up as well. Um, nailing that sound.
3: We just played with Body Void in Philly, and um yeah, they were incredible live. Just such a sonic steamroller of a band. TV. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: I, I, I feel uh, like shatterhouses. Is... Houses.
3: I caught I'm
2: them sure. with um Jarhead Fertilizer and uh, primitive man and that was a loud show it was (laughs) it was
3: excellent so the same lineup yeah it's no joke
2: it's like eight dollars a ticket and it was like a wednesday night and i was like as if i'm not gonna go to that like that's that's crazy (laughs) yeah that's just silly yeah um so we we normally like we do the obviously the uh serious questions and then we like to have some more relaxed questions and brandon is the master of these so brandon do you (laughs) have some stuff you'd like to ask oh sure
1: well um i always like to figure out like your favorite local venue like where's your like is like your home venue
0: uh I'd say one of the easiest ones that comes off the, the tip of my tongue from just playing it so many times kung fu Nectar in fish town
3: <laughs> yeah agreed. Um, i love playing there and i love seeing shows there nice
0: yeah, what uh a what about dark, it? it's Dive bar, good stage, good sound. Um, yeah, I've played there so many times. It's it's just such a good little spot. Seeing every type of musical act imaginable there. hmm Oh, yeah. Um, you need transfer as far as a bigger venue. It's always been cool sound-wise. Um, I think that's one of the first shows you and I went together to. Joe, uh, when we saw Death Grips, like 2015, 2016.
3: That was a pretty good show. But um, I'll tell you what, the one I saw before that at the first Unitarian Church, a legendary Philly uh, venue. That was even better. So, yeah, the church is another, another favorite around here. Oh, yeah.
2: Is it an old church that's converted into a venue?
3: It's an active existing Unitarian Church that lets people put shows on in their basement. Oh, that's cool. Yeah,
2: because uh, yeah, in Australia, it's a punk
3: rock institution in Philadelphia, it's been there forever, and they're super cool. like uh, open to bands with
2: different views playing there and stuff. They don't mind that like metal bands and punk play there and stuff. Oh yeah,
3: yeah, anybody. I've See, seen all. I hate, I got there a couple of
0: times. <laughs> uh, I imagine are
3: are pretty chill uh, denomination as far as Protestants go, right? I mean, yeah.
1: why not? People probably pay money to rent the space, and that's
2: money that wouldn't be there normally. That's great. I love that. Wish yeah. uh, everyone was more open-minded in that sense. Right. Um, there was a venue in Australia where I used to live that was an old church. that got bought out, and they turned the uh, the chapel part into a multi-story putt-putt that was like psychedelic, and then um, the the smaller chapel to the side became a metal venue, um, and both was. Cool. It was a, it was a, it was a really sweet setup. It was in the middle of downtown, so it looked super out of place.
3: That's pretty cool. How big was the big little chapel? That uh, the
2: I would bit? say it had a full bar. It had like an outdoor area, and then it had like the actual chapel itself was probably like the size of a you know like a standard sort of basement venue about that mm-hmm. size. Um, but it had really good sound set up, like fantastic sound. Just
0: to so cool. say, the church churches make for some good acoustics.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right, it
1: Snow fantastic in, in, in that. bro,
2: it's pretty cool.
0: Sorry, Brendan, didn't mean
2: to derail you there.
1: No, you're all right. That's what it's <laughs> all about, right? Um, well, so opposite side of your hometown. What's your um, favorite venue outside of uh, outside of Philly? Oh,
0: we haven't done as Cage because, like, we put out our first release in 2020, and then it was like pandemic. Right. Um, we did our first kind of like weekend run 2022 with Sunburster. We played uh, Bigamton, Rhode Island, and Brooklyn. And then this time around, I don't think we repeated any places when we did this tour with Quiet Man. But I I will say, like, personally, one of my favorite places to play is always Bigamton, New York. Um, I got a bunch of friends up there. They have a very strong DIY scene consistent of everything from, like, grind to hardcore to punk. So every time I've taken bimetal bands, including Caged up there, it's always, like, a kind of mixed bill of extreme metal. And it's always people just wilding the fuck out, going crazy in a college town and losing their shit. You always yeah. come home with a different story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
3: the venue we played there last time was pretty cool too. It was called the Bundy and it was like a sort of a local history museum. All right. The real the like
0: twilight zone stuff in there, twilight zone memorabilia in there. Yeah.
3: That was real the DIY hours, like finding anywhere they can to put a show on. It's really cool. That's sweet.
1: Um, where is your favorite place to eat in Philly? And it's not a cheesesteak. <laughs>
2: Why can't
1: it be a cheesesteak? <laughs> I don't know. Are cheesesteaks over? You may. I don't know.
0: I think I think Philadelphians all have their own like personal favorite cheesesteak place. I, I doubt like being in here this long, anybody like is like it's it's at the top of their list. <laughs> uh, uh, for me personally, I love this place. It's a Malaysian place in South Philly called Sky Cafe it's really good. It like kind of mirrors Thai food and it's just so fucking good. Uh, real, nice. real cheap. There was a time where, when I was in South Philly, one of my last places where every Friday for like almost a year, I would order takeout from there. Um, but next to that, I just had our guitarist take his wife to this place, Kalaya and Fishtown, which is just really good Thai food. Uh, Some of the spiciest food I've ever had in Philadelphia.
2: Oh, yeah? Thai food can be so hot. Like Their heat is... When it's up, it's up.
0: Even for a spice freak like me, I was just in tears.
3: Yeah. i got to give it it up to my favorite Mexican place, Los Gallos at 10th and Wolf. Oh, yeah. The composition is strong. You know, you can't walk two blocks without passing a Mexican restaurant in South Philly. But uh, Los Gallos is the best.
2: I'm in San Diego. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's like here it's impossible. Like I moved to a new neighborhood. I'm like, I have to try all these places. Like it's not going to happen. This just too many.
1: Yeah. It gets wild, man. Like same thing,
2: like With pizza places around here, you know, everyone's like oh, pizza, 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 you know, or oh. Joe, what do you go? Like what's your favorite Mexican meal? Like dish?
3: Um, I like the, uh, vegetarian enchiladas in, uh, mole. They got their,
1: Ooh, I nice. love a good
3: mole. Yeah. They also do a very good chili rianos. And not, every, not every place has that dish. Real fond of that one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Those are really good too. It's like what my, one of my favorite, uh, my wife's favorites. She always gets that and I always get some sort of form of mole.
2: What are your thoughts on like people kind of experimenting with traditional cuisine? Do you think it's like a good idea? Like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, Do you think it shouldn't be done.
3: I think uh, people should experiment with everything. Um, It should be done respectfully, and hopefully it's people that have a connection to that culture doing it and making money off it, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I think as long as you understand what you're doing in flavors, it's fine. I think some people butcher it. Some of the fusion stuff I've seen has been pretty shocking, and some has been phenomenal. So it just comes down completely to the chef, I think.
0: Right. Absolutely. I'll, I'll agree with that sentiment. I will say that I was driving past my house and I saw some little tiny place that said it was like Mexican and pizza, and I was just like, ah, I'm probably not going to eat there.
3: No, <laughs> John. That's, John, that's probably a good pizza. Yeah. But... I mean, think about it. Who makes all the pizza in America? True. Well, true that. Okay. <laughs> I never. Ha- I've never had bad uh, pizza at a place that. That does Mexican food and pizza.
0: Cali del Sabor, the place in Fishtown with the uh right by Comfort die, their taco truck is really good and they started serving pizza too. There you go. Maybe it's
2: just like something we're all missing here. There's like a trend of like phenomenal pizza at Mexican places. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the UK uh earlier this year and I was in like I think it was Glasgow, and uh, I saw a place that said authentic Mexican and milkshakes. I was like,
3: <laughs> I, was like yeah, I don't know like, about that. It sounds like they're not mixing them, though, right? It's authentic Mexican and milkshakes, right? Uh,
2: there wasn't, yeah. and <laughs> I just about the quality of either. <laughs> it's so close to the border, you know?
0: <laughs> or a pizza in a blender. Well,
3: you me have something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Turn it into a tortilla.
3: There is some made-up trend in Philly. I was just about to bring this up in case so you guys come to it Philly. What's this? It's irksome that people even repeat it, but you see it <laughs> on social media. Um, people are trying to make something called a Philly taco happening happen. Okay, where there's this uh, there's this pizza place on South Street, which is like sort of a cool street in Philly. Oh, it like a long time center of counterculture. It's just a cool street that has a lot of cool stuff going on that everybody in the city goes to for different things. Um, and there's a pizza place there with famously gigantic slices called Lorenzo's. And there's a pretty famous cheesesteak place there called Jim's. And um, they're trying, people are trying to say that uh, it's normal for us to get a cheesesteak from Jim's and wrap it in a slice from Lorenzo's as a oh, sort of a part I of saw the that concept. on
2: Instagram. So that's yeah, what that is. Does. It's made up. Okay. I thought that was it's, like, that was like, no way. It's doable
0: based on the pizza size, the, the, the size of the slices, but is it eatable? Like, can you actually fit it in, in your mouth? Like, no. That's like a, a, one
2: of those cases for just because you can doesn't mean you should.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a Philadelphia myth. The best myth combo that I've had of slander, Mexican a slander of Philadelphia it's is the, uh... <laughs> Hypocrisy.
1: Yeah.
2: The best thing right. I've had from like Mexican fusion type thing is um it's a place here in San Diego that does it, they're a drive through place, and uh they it's a buffalo chicken, uh burrito or taco. Like it doesn't sound great, but it's absolutely phenomenal. They do it with like a Caesar set like you know, the um romaine leaves like chopped up with like yeah, buffalo yeah. sauce with ranch inside the burrito, and it actually is pretty sweet.
3: Yeah, it could work. Yeah,
2: that's doable. Can see it. Not too out there, um, Brendan. Aside from food, did you have anything else you want to ask? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> we always go off the rails well, with food. Sorry, I know. No, no, no. <laughs> um,
0: I was listening to the episode before before we got on this, uh, where you guys interviewed <laughs> Brian from Vow. Oh yeah, oh, I kind of I kind of love the the air taking out of you guys like hype train when he's like, "Oh, I'm, uh, I'm vegan."
1: <laughs> yeah. and,
0: one the, and one of the food capitals of, of america yeah <laughs> we yep.
2: tried we're like what about gumbo? It's like i can still do a vegetarian gumbo's like oh good <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> it's like one of those things that's like oh cool so how's the kale on your side <laughs> you know like i don't know how to, how to really go for that you know so yeah it is what it is <laughs> it's happening yeah, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Or be like, oh hey, like, what's your favorite type of beer? And they're like, oh, I quit drinking a while back, and you know, I just like, oh, right.
2: that's yeah. more common. That's that's a pretty common response. We're like, sweet, that's yeah. great, because I've I've also quit, so I totally get it.
0: What's your favorite uh, Mexican milkshake? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I only drink
2: them in Glasgow. Sorry, uh, <laughs> authentic.
1: Oh man, so um. Having uh, been on the road a couple times and whatnot, like, and having set up, having like a crazy setup for your DJing and whatnot, have you had any like malfunctions or you've had to like forego things or like kind of MacGyver some stuff around?
3: For the most part, I've got, to, I've been doing this a lot of years um, and DJing in like a lot of different contexts, both like at home and on the road. And um, I've got that stuff down pretty pat. So it's pretty rare I'm in a situation where I'm unprepared or lack a cable or something like that. Yeah. Um there was one time on the road though where um the engineer couldn't get the DI working. And we had to improvise. Um in that case I plugged into a guitar amp which was a little weird for the whole noise rig, but um we actually all kind of liked it. I might switch to that full time. Huh. That's
0: cool. was
3: Connecticut too. That's it right. <laughs> yeah, Brennan, what do well, you think with the noise sound there?
1: I remember them like asking you a bunch of questions, and I was like, "Oh boy."
3: Yeah, I didn't want to say where it was and put the engineer on blast, but yeah, he was having some trouble with the DI in that night. Um, I don't
1: think that's the first time. So, um, but well, I love that venue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um,
0: it came out great. Yeah, Yeah. no,
1: it was definitely a cool spot, and um, the show you guys did was amazing. You know, it definitely, uh, you know, solidified my purchase a while back uh, from Transylvania Recordings. You know, I was like, "Yeah, this is sick." You know, so awesome stuff.
0: Such a a good label, Transylvania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. How'd you guys
1: um, get linked up with uh, with him?
0: Um, Actually, when we were. I don't remember what stage it was. I think we may have already tracked it um, or we're in the process of finalizing tracking it in 2020. I I reached out to James um, kind of sent a blind message to him, just said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a fan of your label. I know you do primarily a lot of West Coast bands, but love to do something with you. And at the time I think he was going on tour with one of his bands and he said, yeah, he's like, I'll, He's like, I'll check this link out, and you know, I'll get back to you when I get back from tour. And he sent me a message later that night. He was like, yo, I love it. Let's do it. And uh, yeah, we had the honor of putting out our, our EP with him. Um, And then after that, we did a little live stream set on that premiered on Cult Nation. And then I think that's what kind of um, opened the door for us to be on Translation Loss. So Nice. Big shout out to James in Transylvania for getting everything set up. That's
1: nice, man. That's he really does
0: cool.
2: a lot for the scene, which is awesome to see. And he gives a lot of really good free advice to people like running smaller labels and operating as artists and stuff, which is I, I love it. He's, he's great. Yeah, he runs a
3: really impressive smart, dude. Awesome. So we're coming up
2: to the end of the year. And on our uh, site, we're doing sort of like a top 10 vote on best albums of the year. What are a couple of highlights for both of you from 2023?
0: I know for me, it's not really extreme metal, but mm-hmm, that's fine. Spotify reminded me that that Narrowhead uh, Moments of Clarity album was what I listened to the most in 2023. It's okay. kind of like shoegazy, alternative. Um, trying to think Narrow- in terms you said of. Is Narrowheads?
2: I haven't heard that one yet check it yeah, out yeah narrowhead
0: moment of clarity i got to see them live in 2023 and 2022 and they put on a fucking crazy live show awesome uh
3: for me um phew, it's a lot of rap this year actually um there's been some good hip-hop right yeah the new uh the new armand hammer really blew me away that was good um, that's that's some of my favorite stuff going right now i think billy woods is one of the best rappers going right now in his uh his group Armand Hammer with Elucid is pretty incredible. That new record "We Buy Diabetic Test Strips" was uh, excellent. That's a great album name.
1: I haven't I haven't heard that one. I listened. Um, uh, Aesop Rock had a great album. Too. Oh yeah. No.
3: We listened to the new Ace record twice in a row on the way home uh, from did. Connecticut, and um, it's good. That song, that song about his grandma, I was weeping. I was weeping driving it was, the van. That was a
0: very heavy song.
3: Oh my God.
0: Yeah, Ace yeah, is one of the best we're ever. Big do it. Uh, Aesop rock fans. Yeah.
3: He well, I bought mean... two
0: records from um, Profound Lore. I bought the new Left Cross album that came out this I year see. and this band, Cruciamentum. Um, okay. Some really fucking solid death metal.
2: They put out a lot of quality stuff. Another amazing label.
3: Definitely. I see my recent purchases in Bandcamp.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, my friends uh who I just no. saw at the first Unitarian Church, uh a Philadelphia band called Rid of Me. They put out an album this year, which I saw was in Decibel's Top Records of the Year. They're kind uh. of like a noise noise rock band. Um, the guy who plays guitar in that band, Mike, is the uh he runs a record label in Philly called Knife Hits, who put out our recent album on tape. So that's his band and really, really solid music. Is this like the band that they have like
2: a, a self-titled song called rid of me? And then like a music video from yeah. records. That's the one you're mentioning.
0: Yeah. That self-titled song is really good. Hell yeah.
3: Obviously the new Sunrise record ruled.
1: Yeah. Unfailing rope. Mm-hmm. I like that. Casey Estrain put out two albums too that are, I like a lot.
3: Oh, well, I love the new tomb mold. That was—I didn't expect a change in direction there, um, and that was thrilling.
1: I Feel like I listened to that and I don't remember
3: it, and that's that. you know—they used to like have a—I um, don't know. I always thought of them as like being the most oh, like body. Um oh, I think I was like a companion EP to the main oh, album, *The I mean, uh, Spirit*. I think
2: I found the the band you're talking about? It was *Rid of Me* um, with Knife Hit Records, right? That was what you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Knife It Knife Hits is who put out our um our album on tape. And uh yeah. That's that's his he used to be in the band um oh, Dharma Fight like uh Fight Amp. So Incredible this is and Atari awesome. used to be in Legendary Divorce, so this is kind of their their hybrid project. Just a really I- fucking solid album.
2: Sick. I, I write down everything everyone tells me to check out. So I've got that and uh yeah, me Narrowhead. Too. Uh open another tab to check out after this.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize I listened to that song at or that Narrowhead album as obnoxiously as I did for the year.
2: That that was Spotify that said that? Because I, I swear yeah. they like it's wrong every year for me, like what they suggest. I'm like, there's no way that was like my most listened to artist or album.
0: <laughs> there if was I'm this one asking, year. It was it was your top this year.
2: Uh, it was Amigo the Devil, according to Spotify. And if you know who that is.
0: Yeah, yeah, very him. Yeah,
2: he's like the uh, gothic folk guy. But he definitely wasn't my most listened to artist, but that's fine. Um, but one <laughs> year it did bother me because it said my number one artist was that indie band Fleet Foxes. And I literally played them once at a barbecue because someone asked me to put music on and I didn't know what to play. So I played that. And then that came up as my number one listen thing for Spotify for the whole year.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Hmm. Did you leave it on loop at the barbecue or something?
2: (laughs) I I mean, unless it was like playing in my pocket for like way, uh, way longer or something. I just didn't realize. I don't know. (laughs) But it was like an hour or two max that they played.
3: Tell you what, that first Fleet Foxes record. Very good.
2: Was that the one that had Father John Misty on it on the drums before he went solo? I don't know. Because I know he started in the band before he did the, uh, the whole solo
0: thing. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know for me 2020 like uh, it was drake and deftones and i was like oh something's not right here and i'm like oh, i guess i guess 2020 was a, a emotional year so maybe it's <laughs> right maybe i'm that's... not gonna publish it live <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah yeah, i did not publish the fleet fox yet um, that's funny i noticed uh before, behind you john is that a sunbather uh flag it is. Are you a fan?
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I, I do in, I do enjoy Death Heaven. Um, I think I just bought the flag when I moved in here. I was like, you know what? I saw it on uh, Deathwish. I'm like, that would kind of tie the room together. What did you think me, of the the new album? Uh, I listened to it a little bit. It was it was okay. I'd I'd say I'm a sucker for Death Heaven and whichever EP was I guess following that or may have been preceding it um like the yeah. earlier
2: era stuff they, yeah, it, was, it was very era. different yeah. like really different than you stuff
0: yeah I, I don't know how sometimes i'm not always a fan of extreme vocalists going clean like i, I can understand it from a the creative perspective and sometimes I'm not always a big fan of it. Like, you know, Lamb of God did that, too. And when I heard, like, the new Lamb of God and him doing clean vocals, I was just like, oh. That was rough. That me. was not. <laughs> yeah. is- I do Honestly,
2: I-, I thought that they-, they peaked with Ashes of the Wake. Because, like, for me, like, that one and-, and As a Palace is Burn are, like, perfect albums. I-, I listen to those all the time. But there's nothing much after that, apart from a few songs from Sacrament that I really come back to.
0: That's fair. For me, I I got on metal late in the game, so like around the time, um, whatever that album I think it's called Ghost uh, Resolution when Resolution uh-huh. came out, I was like getting very heavy into metal, and so that album was like right around the time um, I had discovered Lamb of God. So I was I was fine with that record, but after that, it's a little dicey. I think that was. When did that one come out? That's like a
2: later album of theirs, isn't it?
0: Oh my god. It had to be like twenty twenty eleven, twenty twelve.
2: Yes, because they did that was the one after Wrath. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the last album that I would consider good. Like I I the yeah. other ones aren't my favorites, but that one was like still had some solid bits on it. But everything since then has just not been uh
0: not been great. Needless to say, there'll probably be minimal, if not no clean vocals ever on anything cage related.
3: Okay. At least, coming, at least coming from my mouth, I will say. <laughs> you say that now, John.
2: <laughs> Joe has plans. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brenda, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? That? Uh, there... Well,
1: what's your, uh, your favorite song to play live?
0: Ooh.
3: Oh, I have an answer for that for sure.
0: I think uh, your answer may be the same as Mona. I'll let you go first.
3: My favorite is "Held Still" under running water, um, specifically because that's the song where I do like the most kind of like traditional scratching, and uh, it's just a lot of fun for me to do that on a heavy metal song, uh, you know, throughout the whole thing.
1: Yeah, your vocals are brutal on that, John. Too. Thank you.
3: I, I agree. That's that's very that's
0: definitely up there for me. But for me, it's um, "Unearth from Heaven's Carrion Pastures." That's the last song off the EP. Um, that's just always been a very ignorant, obnoxious doom song, um, and I can kind of see the traces of Stank Face and the rest of the members' uh, rest of the members' faces when we play that. So I've always enjoyed doing that one live
3: that one is a is a stank face situation for sure
0: i love
1: i love uh i love that when when something gives you the stanky face, mm-hmm. that's that's a good thing um who got you uh influenced into uh doing vocals like that
0: um I would say kind of like we just discussed, I'd say Randy from Lamb of God. And he was one of the first artists that made me want to do vocals. Um, way, way back in the day, I was dabbling with, with rapping, and uh, vocals were just, or my lyrics were just kind of too damn wordy. Um, so I started getting into the metal at the time, going to live metal shows, and thinking, all right, maybe I need to make a uh, kind of career jump. And, yeah, I've always loved uh, being able to kind of decipher and follow along to some of the lyrics that Randy from Lamb of God had. Yeah. Um, I like, they're like Max Cavallera, um Toro. And then I got heavy into doom metal. Um, uh, Johnny from Iron Monkey was a big influence. Of course, Mike Nine from I Hate God. Um, and uh, I always loved the lyrics from Brian from Bell. So those are those are some big immediate influences. Maybe think, all right, maybe maybe, maybe I have something here. Maybe I'll give this a shot. Right now, right now.
1: That that's it for me.
2: All right. Well, we've got one question we ask everyone that comes on the show. Then, which uh, it's a bit of a hypothetical. Um, you would have heard it probably if, if you listened to a couple of episodes. Uh, if you were stranded on a desert island and you had a solar powered discman and three CDs. Uh, this is for each of you, uh, that you had to listen to on repeat until
3: you got rescued, what would you want to have? I know that one of them for me is definitely Close to the Edge by Yes. Nice. I've been listening to that record since I was like 14 years old, and it hasn't gotten old yet. Good choice. Then the other two, I'll probably go with uh, Siamese Dream by The Smashing Pumpkins. Great. That's also stuck with me that long, and uh, maybe Flood by Boris. Okay. Good spread.
0: Yeah, I, I guess at, at this moment in time, if I was, if the plane is going down, like off the top of my head, probably take as needed for pain. But I hate God. It's mm-hmm. Just a go one through and through. Um, uh, probably, uh, Jedi Mind Tricks, Violent by Design. Oh, nice, nice. little, nice little double CD. Um, and the last one, so I'm not. I don't know. I would probably do. Maybe Black Sabbath, maybe Paranoid. Nice. Something to kind of offset the brutalness of the first two.
2: Paranoid's, Paranoid's a solid choice because you've got quite a bit of like variety on that album going on. Yeah. It's got some catchy shit
0: to kind of lift the spirits up. Yeah. Joe, I just
2: saw um, Yes live for the first time like a month ago.
3: Oh, wow. Have, that have you caught it? them before? I've never seen them. No. I had neither. It was
2: it was so they technically amazing stage presence wise. I just I accept the fact they are old. Um, very they can't. Old. They, they're very old. They can't really move around much. So there's not a huge amount of stage presence. But they sounded phenomenal.
3: What's the lineup these days? Was John Anderson there? It was. uh Let me. I can't remember who it was.
2: Hang on. Let's see. They changed. They had that new singer. Um. It wasn't John Anderson. No, it was the guy. Here we go. Steve Howe. Trying to find the full lineup. Saw it on the new album. While I find it, um, they brought their, you know, the visual artist that does all of their album art, and he did a bunch of the art for Asia as well? Yeah, Roger Dean. Roger Dean was there. And he gave a, uh, they they didn't have an opening band. They had Roger Dean talk for 30, 40 minutes straight. That's fun. Um, It was really cool. And uh, he gave his whole life story and talked about, like, um, getting into visual art and how he met the band and touring with them over the years and stuff. It was, it was really sweet. Um, so it's Ian Wallace. Oh, wait, no, that's former. current can't remember. Okay, Steve Ho, Jeff Downs, Lily Sherwood, uh, John Davison, and Jay she- uh, Shellen was the, the current lineup.
3: Interesting.
2: Yeah. But it was cool because Dean was saying, like, uh, he was originally an architect, industrial architect, right? Um, And at his university, there was some, like, funding cuts at the time. So they they canceled a bunch of the creative classes, but they'd already paid the teachers ahead for the semester. So they had no students. So apparently, they offered, like, um, students in other classes to take their course on top of what they're already doing at no extra cost. So he just started taking, like, visual art classes on top of his uh, architect classes. And that's how he became a visual artist.
3: It's pretty cool. That's a good deal.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, he, he's a cool guy. He like, lived a crazy cool life. Um, but yes, worth seeing live, uh, especially if you're a fan. They played a lot of stuff from the early albums, specifically or exclusively earlier stuff, which was cool. Mm. Um, but the new album from this year was fantastic, if you haven't heard it as well.
3: I did not listen to that. Yeah, I'll have to check it out
2: definitely do if you're an old school fan of the band um you'll like it a lot more than the stuff they put out for a recent while They had more of like the uh the old school feel a little less like technical but more of the proggy songwriting and big expansive tracks and
3: stuff that's what i'm into for them yeah Um, yeah like i don't know like we i was talking earlier about like what what we try to do in quiet man and um I can't speak for my bandmates, but for me, I'm kind of always chasing, like, the types of, like, um, long epics that they write, and yes. Awesome.
2: I appreciate that, because it's an art form, completely, being able to create something like that that isn't boring. hmm And this is never boring. Yeah. Or repetitive. No, it's true. Because there's a lot of prog bands that kind of just, like, all right, I get it. Like I, I love prog. I absolutely like my record collection is a lot of it is like seventies prog. Um but some of the stuff every now and then I'm like I know it's a vinyl, but I'd love to skip this. But most there's Pink Floyd never bores me, Yes never bores me, Jethro Tell almost never. They have a few misses here and there, but some amazing bands from that period.
3: Yeah, no doubt. A lot of great stuff. Yeah.
2: Cool. Um, yeah. well, that kinda of brings us to the end, I guess. But uh thank you so much for talking to us. It was really really great like uh, getting to know you guys and the band and project and all everything. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Um, We're we're really happy to be here. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. Of course. Uh, And just before you wrap up.
2: Thank you. We appreciate that a lot. And thank you for checking out the uh, previous episodes as well. We appreciate you listening. Um, But uh, before we wrap up, if people want to support you, Buy your music, follow you. What are the best places
0: to do that? Um, you can find us on Bandcamp, where we have all our merch, including um, all all formats of the new album, Cage Doom. Uh We're pretty active on Instagram. That's at Cage Doom. On Facebook, Cage Doom. Uh, yeah, we're all, all on Spotify, Apple Music, all the other streaming platforms as well.
3: Awesome. Or just call me on the phone. You could probably find my number. <laughs>
0: <laughs> leave
2: it in. in the description for the episode. <laughs> yeah. And uh, any any uh, tours coming up in the next like year planned, or is it uh, it's, like follow you to find out when that happens?
3: Yeah, stay yeah. tuned for news about that. Yeah, uh, but nothing brainstorming, planned. Out. Brainstorming
0: some stuff for uh, for twenty twenty four, but. Um, awesome we're working on a companion release to the, to the album. Um, so you could probably speak a little bit more articulately to what's next on the docket.
3: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I guess just real quick before the end, um, of course. we've got, uh, we're putting together a remix album of from Rovering about the earth. That's going to be out, uh, sometime early next year with, um, Just a lot of great uh, noise, electronic, hip-hop artists from Philly and beyond. A lot of local talent that we love. A lot of uh, a few uh, artists (laughs) we've been trying to work with from other places, um, all putting uh, their unique spins on our songs, remixing them, chopping them up, turning them into noise pieces, drone pieces, techno, um, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Really cool. That's right. When that that comes out, you'll probably, well, uh, we'll definitely share something about that on our site when that comes out. So if you're uh, interested, uh, stay tuned as well.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate
2: it. Anytime.
3: Yeah, cheers. Awesome.
2: Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time, and it's been great speaking with you. And uh, anyone listening at home, tune in next time. We'll have another guest for you.